The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And I am delighted to welcome my guest today, Mr. Ben Feldman. He is the policy director for the Farmers Market Coalition, which is a national nonprofit with members in all 50 states. The coalition works with farmers market operators to achieve its mission, which is to strengthen farmers markets for the benefit of farmers, consumers, and communities. Because this is a farm bill year, we will be speaking today about policies that support farmers markets, as well as challenges faced by the markets and the multiple benefits of regional farmers markets. Welcome, Ben. Melinda, happy to be here. Well, I am a huge supporter and an enthusiastic ambassador of farmers markets, and I try to shop at my local market weekly. And whenever I travel, I like to find out where the farmers markets are, because that is where I have a chance not only to taste really fresh, delicious local food, but also to meet local growers and to get a feel for the community. I've read some of the pieces that you've written. And you say that they have an unofficial town square character and that there's really an unsung value of farmers markets. I'm curious to know how you got involved in this work. Well, like so many people who are involved in farmers markets in particular, organizing and and running farmers markets, I kind of fell into it somewhat by accident. I had apprenticed through a farm program. I had worked on farms and sold at farm stands and at farmers markets. And as I was concluding my studies in college, I asked the person who was running my local farmers market if they were hiring because I liked the atmosphere of the market and I thought it looked like an interesting job. And it turns out they did have an opening and I became a full-time market manager as my first full-time job out of college. And that was in 2003. So that's now 20 years ago. And obviously the farmer's market sector has changed quite a bit since then. Our food system as a whole has changed a lot in some ways, but in particular, the farmer's market and what some might describe either the the local or the, the direct marketing agricultural portion of our agricultural system has really grown and developed. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to be part of that throughout my career, running different farmers markets at various times in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then working with farmers markets all over the state of California to build collective power through working together. And then that led to coming to the Farmers Market Coalition, where that's what the organization is all about at the national level. Well, we have special reason to talk today, and that is because... National Farmers Market Week is August 6th through the 12th. However, I believe every week is Farmers Market Week. So, <laughs> us too. 
But there's a special emphasis and you've got a lot of great resources on your website. So I want people to know that they should certainly go to farmersmarketcoalition.org to find more information about the virtues of farmers markets and how we can all get involved in protecting and promoting them. Now, I went to the USDA's Economic Research Service. They have a chart that shows the growth of farmers markets. And I thought it was fascinating that in 1994, there were just 1,755 farmers markets. And in 2019, there were close to 9,000 markets. So there must be something about farmers markets that people really like. Yeah. As you state, it's incredible growth. And I, I think it's not just that there's something or one thing about farmers markets. It's that there's a lot of things about farmers markets. And the reasons that we don't see more of them are in some ways down to the nature of markets. But one of the biggest things I think that people appreciate about the farmers market is that community feel to it. You mentioned our our reference to the virtual town square. And really, if you think about it, it there we have fewer and fewer community spaces in our world today, or at least in our society. Many of the places where people used to go to spend time are either not available or they're dwindling in their usage. And so farmers markets represent the very important, what's sometimes referred to as third place. It's not our home. It's not our place of business. It's a place where we get to interact with people outside of our inviting them into our house, people who we may not see or who we may see on like a weekly basis, but who we don't have those more familiar relationships with. And those types of relationships are really important. I've had some people refer to it as like their church going experience. It is a ritual that becomes part of their, or a habit that becomes part of their weekly life. They visit their local farmer's market every week, and that becomes part of their community. It's not only is it where they shop, but it's where they get their news. It's where they get their social interactions. And I think actually that social interaction piece is not to be dismissed. There's a lot of good emerging research that demonstrates the importance of those social relationships, especially as people age. So I think that's a huge part of it. And I think the food is the way in because everybody eats and everybody wants food that tastes good and and that's where the farmers market has a you know a real edge so you get people for whom that's the first reason or maybe the only reason they shop the market it's peach season right now and the peaches at the farmers market are just tastier right it's that simple so we get people who that's the reason they shop the market they might only do it looking for those delicious peaches this time of year but there's a lot of other important reasons that people choose to shop the market i do think that community piece is a huge one Absolutely. It's social capital and it is a huge component of public health. But as you say, it's one of those unsung values. And I think it's important to recognize that. I know I always tell people it's like going to a party and running into friends and I don't have to clean my house. So it's great. I like the way you call that the third space. I want to talk about the Farm Bill. I know that because you are the policy director of the Farmers Market Coalition, This is a subject that's near and dear to your heart. And I don't know how many of us consider the fact that there's this huge piece of legislation called the Farm Bill, and it's looked at every five years. 
and changes are made. But how many of us think that, oh, the farm bill affects the farmer's market? So tell me how that relationship works. So the farm bill is a sometimes called an omnibus piece of legislation. And part of what that means is that it really includes a whole bunch of different programs. And so it covers everything from conservation to commodity programs. It also includes the SNAP program, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which used to be known as food stamps. And it is the way in which our country provides a social safety net for people who are food insecure. And that is one of the, along with a couple other important federal nutrition benefit programs, that is one of the main ways in which farmers markets are influenced by the farm bill. There are also a couple other, like SNAP program, there is a WIC program, which stands for Women, Infant, and Children, and it is for pregnant nursing mothers and women who have recently had children. And that is a, a nutrition program that even has within it a special farmer's market nutrition program portion. And then there's also a similar program for the senior farmer's market nutrition program. So in the farm bill, there's a few nutrition programs, which are under what's known as the nutrition title. That's one of the sections of the farm bill. And then the other main way in which farmer's markets are impacted by the farm bill is through a series of grant programs, at least one of which directly interacts with some of those food assistance programs as well. So these grant programs include programs like the Farmer's Market Promotion Program, the Local Food Promotion Program, what's known as the Value Added Producer Grant, which is a program specific for farmers. And then there's a program that is now named after former Farmer's Market Coalition board member Gus Schumacher. It's the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program. And that program funds the what are often known as doubling or incentive programs. A couple of the more popular programs are Double Up Food Box or Market Match. And those programs provide additional funding for individuals who are shopping with their SNAP benefits so that when they purchase fruits and vegetables, they get additional money to spend on fruits and vegetables or other SNAP items. So those are the big ways in which the federal government interacts with farmers markets. There's also important state and local legislation and much more of the regulation permitting type activities that happen related to farmers markets happen at the more local level. So the federal government, again, it's, it's those nutrition incentive programs and then some of the grant programs. And the one that is most impactful and has been a big factor in some of the innovation and development within the farmers market sector is that farmers market promotion program. So one we focus on quite heavily there. Hmm. So I like to look at these farm bill programs as a way for our tax dollars to get into our local communities. I wonder how many farmers markets, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but of those nearly 9,000 farmers markets, what is the percentage that receives some federal funding? Well, that's a really good question. And I definitely don't have numbers at my fingertips, but there's a lot of markets that at some point in their history have received some form of support. That said, there's a, a real challenge in what it takes to administer these nutrition benefit programs in farmers markets. They are administratively challenging for markets to operate, and there is no money to support that type of activity from the federal government. And then 
as far as the farmer's market promotion program grant goes, it's a wonderful program that has been really important in the development of the farmer's market system. And there are about 25 grants given out each year. So that puts things in perspective in terms of how many markets there are out there and how many receive, how many grants are given in any given year. And the other thing that's really important, and this gets to some of our Farmville priorities, is that because of how the process is set up to apply for those farmers market promotion program grants, it's extremely difficult, especially for the smaller and lower capacity organizations. There are registrations that are required, like you have to register within the system of award management, for example. And that's just one of the things that you have to do before you can receive a federal grant. The application process itself is lengthy and requires quite a bit of documentation. And there there are things that have been added in recent years that make it even more challenging for small organizations, like in the 2018 Farm Bill, a requirement that organizations who are applying for one of those grants put up some of their own funds or get commitments from funders. And the purpose of that is to demonstrate that the federal funds are spurring additional investment, which is important. But the reality is that, especially for organizations that haven't applied for one of these grants, that can be a very challenging requirement to meet because, say, for example, you have a funder who, who's supporting your work. Well, in order to get matching funds for the grant cycle, you have to ask that funder to commit those funds three years in advance in writing, which isn't always realistic. Yeah. And once you've received that grant, you have to track all of those matching funds. And some folks use volunteer hours to meet those requirements, which again is a logistically and administratively challenging thing to do. So we have some proposals that we're putting forward that would streamline and simplify the application process, making it easier for smaller scale organizations to apply and participate for both smaller dollar grants and for commonly applied for farmers market activities that would make it easier for USDA to administer. And then we're also looking to have some of the matching fund requirements waived, especially for those smaller scale grant applicants. Because as much as it's important to be able to document the impact, part of what's happening here is those requirements are serving as a barrier to organizations that haven't had access to these programs in the past. And there's a real important equity impact as a result of that, that larger scale organizations and those that already have more resources are more likely to benefit from this program as it exists currently. Right. Let me take one break because I want to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us or tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, today we are joined by Ben Feldman. He is the policy director of the Farmers Market Coalition. And we are especially pleased to be talking because August 6th through the 12th is the 24th annual National Farmers Market Week. I want to get back to the farm bill issues because I think they're really important for people to understand just how much they impact whether or not farmers markets can survive and who gets to shop at a farmers market. So you've got on your website policy priorities, and I want to direct our listeners to that site. I know you've had a sign-on letter to send to representatives and senators, but I think it's important for all of us to let our representatives in Washington, D.C. know how much farmers markets mean to us. I want to talk about SNAP, or the Supplemental Nutrition Program, previously known as food stamps. 
When people are struggling to make ends meet, they rely on our tax dollars, our federal support. And the SNAP processing at farmers markets is not easy. And I wonder if you can tell me of those close to 9,000 markets, do you know how many of those provide opportunities for people who are receiving supplemental benefits to use those SNAP dollars at a farmer's market? Yeah, there are between 3,500 and and 4,000 farmer's markets in the country that accept SNAP benefits. And the reason that number is not higher has a lot to do with how challenging it is to operate SNAP in a farmer's market setting. And there's been real concerted intentional effort by farmer's markets and those organizations that support them, like the Farmer's Market Coalition, to help make that process easier. But when the food stamp program was in paper form prior to the the transition in the late 90s and early 2000s, redemption rates were pretty good. And the process was pretty easy because it was a, a paper voucher that was able to be used much like cash. The move to the electronic system really set back redemptions in farmer's markets. And, and that's because, as you can imagine, the farmer's market environment is not the same as a grocery store. There are no typically no dedicated phone lines or electricity, meaning an electronic card like the EBT system that we rely on now requires a wireless device that is battery powered and that can access remote data, whether that's through Wi-Fi or through the cellular system. And as we know, these systems are not equally robust in all parts of our country. There are many places where farmers markets operate, where the ability to utilize those wireless systems is extremely limited. And it also requires market operators to take on costs both for the equipment and for the administration of the program itself. Most markets in the country, the way these programs work is the organization who operates the farmer's market gets one device and uses a token or script-based system where a market shopper will come to their booth, swipe their card, and get tokens or paper vouchers that they can then use to shop with other vendors, partly because it's difficult to get all of the farmers through the application and a process and equipment as well. And so it's often a more efficient way to do it for full market coverage, but it means the market organization is taking on that administrative role. And in some cases, they may have to have a staff dedicated for the full market day to be swiping cards and counting tokens. And so it's definitely a challenging process. And part of why the equipment is difficult to access is because of how the federal government handles this program and that there's no requirement that states provide wireless equipment to farmers market operators. And again, sometimes even when there is wireless equipment, it may not be appropriate or easy to use in those locations. Overall, our existing system was definitely not designed to work in farmers markets. And so it has taken that dedicated effort and those workarounds by people who build it, that it's important both for our American farmers to be able to directly benefit from the funding provided through the SNAP program. As you're pointing out, these are taxpayer dollars. If they are supporting healthy nutrition choices, they should also be directly supporting our farmers. And when we have a system that doesn't work for our farmers who sell at our farmers markets, we're undermining that opportunity for them. And then 
there's also a a moral piece here in that people who shop with Snap should be able to have the choice to shop at whatever location they would like as well. And I will say one of those efforts, we talked very briefly already about the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program. Those programs all started through independent efforts at farmer's markets to try to entice farmer's market shoppers back to the markets after this rocky transition to the electronic system. And so part of the way that markets did that was by recognizing that the existing amount of money that SNAP recipients receive may not be enough for them always to make the healthier choices to purchase more fruits and vegetables, and that farmers at their markets, that's one of the the main things that sold in markets. And so the idea was, okay, what if we can extend the purchasing power of people who are shopping with SNAP at the same time as we're bringing more money to our farmers? And that program has proven so successful that it grew from those initial pilot projects to a number of state programs, the federal program, which used to be known as the FINI program or the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Program, now again known as GUSNIP. And it just continues to grow because it is one of those programs that is so clearly a win for everybody involved, whether it's for the farmer, for the shopper, the community. It's really easy to see the positive impact of those programs. Absolutely. And I noticed that one of your asks to our representatives is to provide funding for farmers market operators for outreach and training associated with the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program processing. I had no idea that market managers were responsible for getting this up and running and just how much time and effort it took. So I think it's really important that farmers markets serve all citizens in a community. So kudos to you for doing this policy work. You know, while we're talking about incentive programs, I also want to talk about the prescription programs. And I don't know how many states or communities are using these programs, but this is an opportunity for physicians to literally write prescriptions for produce for their patients to go to farmers markets and redeem those prescriptions. Do you have any thoughts on that program? Absolutely. And that's yet another example of innovative programs coming out of farmers markets that are then being seized upon and and recognized for their ability to help in public health, you know, what was described as behavior change. And so those programs, again, they started as pilot projects at farmers markets that were funded independently. In a lot of cases, those programs were funded through some sort of partnership with a healthcare provider where exactly as you're describing, the doctor quite literally writes out their prescription pad to their patient. It includes funding for those patients to go to the farmer's market and buy additional produce. And those physicians are doing that because their clients have some sort of indicator of diet-related illness. And by and large, the answer to most of our diet-related illness in this country is more fresh fruits and vegetables. And so the success of those programs has now ramped up. That program, prescription programs are actually within the, I mentioned the nutrition incentive side, which is that doubling of SNAP, but there is another component that's within the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program, and that is the produce prescriptions. So you've identified two programs that are both being talked about in the context of food is medicine, which within the work that we do has been something that we've talked about for a while and is really 
now getting some real traction in the healthcare system as a preventative approach to diet-related illnesses. And it is really both an impressive program and part of this point about the innovation that comes out of farmers' markets. We see farmers innovating in terms of the crops they bring to market. We see them innovating with how they market their food. We see all these innovations that farmers are doing. Markets are also doing these same types of innovations at a collective level because it is part of what makes farmers markets unique as they become these little laboratories for innovation and you know, new vendors trying new products, people getting in there because it is a relatively low barrier to entry. And so it breeds all these creative ideas and, and new ways of thinking about not just what tastes good, but what is good for us. Exactly. I wanted to get back to the numbers with regard to growth. And what the USDA's Economic Research Service shows is that there's been a somewhat of a leveling off of that rapid increase in farmers markets. What do you think it will take to see an increase again in farmers' markets from a policy perspective? Well, there's a couple factors at play in that plateauing, and some of them are related to the number of farmers and the ability of farmers to get to and sell at those markets. You know, the number of farmers in this country continues to dwindle, and there are a number of places where it's simply quite challenging for farmers to do the work that it takes to be prepared to sell at a market, get to that location and make enough money for it to be worthwhile, especially as transportation costs, labor costs, and their other costs increase. So some of our factors are big in scale and will take much broader changes to our food system and our economic system. And then there are other more basic factors. And the more that consumers continue to recognize the value of buying direct from farmers, the more opportunity there will be for farmers to do direct marketing and, and do it successfully. And it is already a strategy that is oftentimes more economically viable. We do see research that shows that Farmers that sell directly to the public stay in business longer and take on less debt, which gives them greater control over their finances and their prices. So I guess there's two pieces there from a policy perspective. One, what does it take to bring more people into agriculture? How can we support new and beginning farmers, people who have not traditionally been supported as much in their agricultural activities? I don't want to say haven't farmed as much, but there has been a systematic removal of people of color and, and women from agriculture. And so, you know, what does it take to help support people who are coming into agriculture for the first time or back to agriculture? How do we keep farmers who are already farming, farming and help them perhaps transition to selling directly. There's also an important piece in continuing to develop consumer markets. And then some of it is also ongoing investment in farmers markets. The farmers market promotion program is hugely important, but as we talked about, there are some changes that are needed to it. So that's part of why we're so engaged in these policy efforts and a couple of the bills that we're tracking 
notably the Local Farms and Food Act, as well as the farmers benefiting from processing nutrition benefits, and the Local Farmers Market and Food Bank Revitalization Act are three bills that we're really hoping that in this farm bill can help continue to support the activities of our farmers and our, our farmers markets. All right. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Ben Feldman, Policy Director for the Farmers Market Coalition. Ben, I'm greatly appreciative of your time today. Thanks so much for having me. Nice conversation. 